All right, right now it's time. I have a pair of tickets to go see BYU versus Virginia Saturday night. Give me a call at 673-5890, 673-5890. If you want to go see BYU, uh, take on old coach Bronco Mendenhall and the Virginia Cavaliers. I'm looking for caller number four. We've got three waiting for number four to light up. There it is. All right. Uh, hey, uh, is this Richard? Are you there? Hello. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Hey, uh, you want to go see BYU on Saturday night? That would be wonderful. Awesome. Okay, well, hang on the line. I'm going to go to commercial break. We'll get your information as we go to break. But uh, you want a pair of tickets to go see the Cougars and the Virginia Cavaliers and Bronco Mendenhall. Fantastic. Thanks. All right, hold on just a second. Uh, We'll go to break. Andy Griffin Show coming up. Stay tuned, folks. It's Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. The mayor's here, ready to answer your questions and address your concerns. Exclusively on the Andy Griffin Show. Welcome to the program. Richard wins two tickets to CBYU tomorrow, not tomorrow night, Saturday night from Lavelle Edwards Stadium as they take on the Virginia Cavaliers. I have two more tickets I'm going to give away tomorrow sometime during the morning show. Uh, I actually wanted to go to this game, but I had some work things I had to take care of. So, uh, But it's going to be uh, the return of Bronco Mendenhall, coach BYU for 11 years. Uh, he'll be back in uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium for that game on uh, on Saturday night. Again, congratulations to Richard. Get your chance to win. Listen to the morning show tomorrow. Uh, it is Mayor Thursday, and I've got Rick Rosenberg, Mayor of Santa Clara, on the line with me. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good, Andy. How are you doing this morning? Good. Some people say, well, you're copping out. You didn't have candidates on. Well, we've had candidates on the last couple of weeks, and uh, Rick, is, uh, Rick is a candidate, but Rick's not going to lose. I don't. I don't think you can even lose if you go on a poll. All you need is one vote, right, Rick? <laughs> Just one more than that. Uh, that other guy. Yeah. The, the... Usually, that other guy's named anybody but Rick. <laughs> well, the way things were at the last presidential election, I wonder if uh, any that other guy would have won over Trump. The way a lot of the people were angry. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's important, Rick, that even though you are running unopposed, uh, that we talk about some of the issues that I that I pose to some of the other candidates. We had hurricane mayor candidates on. We have St. George mayor candidates on Washington mayor candidates on. We have city council candidates on uh, from all over the place. Uh, and, and so, you know, with Santa Clara, it's, it's worth mentioning the number one issue that, you know, I had people submit questions for the debate and also for the radio program. And uh, the overwhelmingly, not even close, the, the biggest question was water, water, water. What are we going to do about water in southern Utah? It seems like we're running out. Do you have thoughts on that, Rick? Well, you know, water is probably our biggest issue that we're facing. Um, you know, it's partially because of the unknown. You're dependent upon the weather. You're dependent upon the smoke snowpack to to refill the you know the drainage basin, and so it's a little bit you know beyond our normal control. It's not like we can just pass an ordinance and have all the water that we want. We have to to live within our means, and so any opportunity to develop water in this region is is critically important, and. Um, you know, with what's going on with Lake Powell Pipeline and, uh, you know, the potential suit and the falling Colorado River levels, you know, that we kind of had a lot of effort been put that direction. And, 
and now we're seeing that that you know if it does happen it's going to be years away still and so what can we do in the meantime and so the the increased water conservation measures are rolling down the pike uh, you probably heard there's a water summit the water conservancy district in the county have a water summit planned um, for next i think it's next week we got the emails on it last night um, and all the area leaders are going to get together, and um, the state's coming down. Some of the water, regional water experts are coming down, and and we're going to talk about those things. And I, I, I still believe my council, Santa Clara's council, is very is going to be proactive with implementing water conservation measures on all new development. Um, they're also getting very active in in trying to expand the secondary irrigation system which would uh, take a lot of the outside water that's being used now and, and use secondary water or reuse water if that becomes available uh, for that. And that lets our culinary water go a little bit farther. And so it's a huge issue. Um, it's facing all the communities, and I think all the communities are, are trying to work together. And, um, but at the same time, I think all the communities are willing to, to do what they need to do to, you know, to protect the residents in their own communities. So. We'll see where it goes. I had uh, uh, Zach Renstrom on yet on the program yesterday. We talked a lot about uh, these issues, obviously, Rick. But uh, one of the things that he said is we, you know, the, the pact that was drawn up a uh, hundred years ago uh, gives Utah rights to that water. And I said, well, that's fine, Zach. But we have paper and we have a legal, you know, precedent and we have everything in place. But if L.A. or Las Vegas or whoever needs water to to stay alive, they need water, and and they're going to say they're going to go to the ju- the court if, if that's what it, where it ends up, and say, well, um, yeah, Utah had the rights to that, but they weren't using it, and we need it. And and so to me, it's like, well, that's that's all good. I'm glad we have the rights to it, but uh, in the end, isn't doesn't need out Trump rights, Rick? What do you think? Well, if you know people, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what. You know, what people want. Um, California provides, and some of the irrigated areas down in the Central Valley, and that provide a tremendous amount of food resource for the country. True. Are we are we willing to sacrifice that to facilitate, you know, new residential growth yeah. in some of the areas? Um, there's there's going to be some hard decisions that are going to be made. I I support Zach's position. I support the state's position that. You know, hey, we have a right to use some of that water. Um, we should be able to to put it to use. Um, can we take it away from an existing user downstream? You know, that's uh, that's a little different call. We should at least be able to prevent any new development from needing that water downstream. But can we take it away from an existing user, um, especially a user that's providing um, a resource that? You know the country needs not just the community, but the country may need that. Right. So that'll be a you know it'll be a good question, and it'll end up in the courts, and um, you know we'll see which way the courts go. But in the meantime, we've got to you know provide wet water for for our residents here, um, as well as the industry, and and that includes our ag base here. And so we've got to do the things necessary to to provide the water for everybody. I read uh, something yesterday that said 
Uh, in effect, before snow falls, we would need 11 inches of rain for the drought to be officially over. Obviously, that's I mean, we only get eight inches a year. We're not going to get 11 inches in the next month. Uh, no. So obviously, uh, uh, you make a good point, though, that, that it's dependent on uh, a lot of things that we just can't control. And one of, the, one of which is, is how much it rains. We, I mean, we live in right. a desert. We hope it rains, but uh, hope is not going to get you real far when it comes to actual uh, moisture levels. Uh, will you talk a little bit about the soils, Rick? I know that that's kind of your day job. That's your expertise about the soils. I've had Zach on telling me about, well, the, the problem is that we get dry for so long and then it rains. And instead of soaking down in the soil very well, it kind of runs off. Can you explain that whole concept to me a little bit? Well, it's um, your soil moisture levels will drop over time, um, and your the moisture available in the in the trees and the vegetation does the same thing. During a drought, the I mean, you've all dug, gone out and, and dug in your yard, and and you see that dry layer up on top, and then as you get down, it gets a little moisture, yeah, and a little softer, a little easier to dig. Um, well, now that that dry area has gone down quite a ways. Um, and it makes the soil so it's not as porous. So when you do get a rain on it, um, as not as much can soak in. It takes a little while for the soil to recondition um, to where it can accept moisture. When we when we do drainage studies, we look at that soil moisture condition and it can determine based on um, the soil moisture how much water that soil can take and how much is going to run off. Right now, because of the drought, because of the extended dry periods, we've got a very uh, low moisture level, a very compact soil surface. And so when you see a, you know, the rainfall hit it, especially rainfall of any intensity, uh, most of it runs off and doesn't soak into the soil. It takes the repetitive storms. You know, and these storms that we've been getting the last three weeks, these, you know, three consecutive weeks of storms are going to help that a lot yeah. uh, because they... They let it soak up, and then it has a chance to soak in, and then it gets wet again and has a chance to soak in, and you'll see that, you know, that wet area uh, go down deeper if we keep, can, you know, getting these storms. And so, you know, I've been kind of excited. I've, I've had a project on Cedar Mountain that I've been trying to finish, and it, these snowstorms on Monday, Tuesday have kind of set me back because I can't get into that area when, when it's, when it's too muddy but it's awesome for the area yeah and awesome for the mountain to see that soil moisture come up this time of year uh, some of our best runoff periods have come after a wet fall when we have um, storms that come in in october and november and really help increase that soil moisture so when the snow comes a little later in the season it doesn't all get sucked up by the soil i think last year there was no runoff at all last year every drop of snow came got sucked up by the soil if it, we don't get any runoff then there's no water coming down the rivers no water to refill the reservoirs that we rely on for our drinking water and so it's really important that we get those soil levels up in the fall and that we get a good snowpack and that that snowpack can translate into water for the reservoirs and you know and that helps you know helps carry us through the season down here so um, I'm, I've been excited by these recent snow, yeah. or recent, uh, you know, mountain rains and snowfall. You, uh, 
Uh, we've talked about it in the past, growth. Uh, Santa Clara is in some ways kind of hemmed in, thus limiting your, your growth quite a bit. Uh, does growth affect Santa Clara much at this point, or, or, or is, it still, is it still a factor? Oh, yeah, it's, it's still a factor. There's still, you know, some Santa Clara is a smaller community. Um, census says we're, we're under 9,000 population. We, we think we're a little more than that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's about 3,000 homes, I think a little over 3,000 homes out there right now. Um, Santa Clara has the potential to, to probably double from its existing size. So from about 3,000 homes to maybe 6,000 homes at the max. Um, and so we've still got compared, you know, to what we have, we still have a long ways to go. Now compare that to the other cities and it's nothing, um, we don't have the, the geographical area that's undeveloped in the city right now to facilitate, you know, more than I think about six thousand homes, um, and uh, so that we're, we we can kind of see that limit um, coming, and and that makes it a lot easier doing our you know our future planning when we can see that it's gonna gonna happen relatively soon. Um, we'll be uh, working with the water district to, to purchase water. We're, we're part of the regional water supply agreement, and so we, we can purchase water from the district, so we're still very supportive on all the, the district water development projects. Um, we're actively pursuing, you know, secondary water system as a city now to help supplement that as well. Um, but it, our growth is going to be in the next you know, 10 years, it's not going to be in the next 50. Um, we're going to see Santa Clara build out probably in the next 10 years, I would anticipate. We had a conversation a little bit yesterday uh, with Zach about earthquakes, and uh, he said, you know, well, I mean, one of, one of the facts is uh, experts have said that there should be a big earthquake along our fault line here every 1,300 years, and it's been 1,400 years now. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> those numbers kind of boggle my mind. I can't even really uh, compute that. But, uh, Rick, as, as mayor, is that one of the things that uh, you know, falls on your shoulders to think about, to prepare for, to make sure that Santa Clara is prepared if, in fact, it ever happens? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the the biggest parts of, of my job, um, you know, in the 15 years that I've been in there have been natural hazard mitigation and geologic hazard mitigation. The, the three floods that we've had um, and the landslide that we've had to deal with. Uh, all of, I mean, earthquake is one of the hazards, but it's only one of them. There's probably 15 different geologic hazards that that all the cities down here are faced with. We have um, we have floodplains, we have erosion hazard areas that are subject to erosion um, hazard and um, scour. We have um, landslides, potential landslides that happen. We have problem soils either from expansive soils. We have soils that when they get wet, they collapse. We have subsidence zones. We have... Um, faults that, that bisect some of our communities. Um, we have, uh, I mean, a, a myriad of problems that 
can raise their head and do raise their head. Rock fall hazard. I mean, and you read about these over time. Um, every city has some that are more important or maybe more prevalent than, than others, but all of those issues face the community. And, and um, one of the goals that I've had as I've been in office is to try and, and develop resiliency within the community, to try and make the community more resilient to damage from those natural hazards. Um, making new development do the, the geotechnical work and really identify the, the potential soils issues and then mitigate those soils issues. Uh, mitigate the erosion risk. Mitigate the flooding risk. Um, mitigate landslide areas and rockfall hazards and all those things that impact the community. We try and develop ordinances to where we require new development to study those issues and make recommendations and then implement the recommendations as part of the development. Um, and the effort is to make it so that when you do have a disaster, uh, we can't control when an earthquake is going to hit, but we can definitely control and prepare the community's response for how we're going to react when it does happen, how we're going to you know, safeguard critical public infrastructure, hospitals and bridges and and those types of things, fire stations, that we need to have um, hardened so that when we do have an event that those that infrastructure is not damaged and we have the people trained to respond to it. You know, Santa Clara has done a couple of um, disaster preparation training sessions where we just do a tabletop disaster and and see how each department is going to react and how resources are going to be assigned. and. And they've been very valuable to to teach the staff and to inform the elected officials on, hey, what's your role? When we have another flood, what's your role going to be? Because everybody has to play a part during the, you know, the last three floods. The city council was an integral part of, of making decisions and attending, you know, EOC meetings and being on site, um, directing some of the public work stuff. Um, they were had an important part there, and, and for them to be able to perform, they need to be trained. And so we've we've done some of that training. We're fortunate to have a an experienced staff when it comes to natural disasters now, because they've had to deal with them. And our staff is hasn't had a lot of turnover, and so we've got the same people in place now that we had. You know, the last one was back in 2012, and and um, I'm fortunate that Santa Clara staff can react quickly, and they almost know now what what to expect and what they need to do and how we're going to have to deal with, you know, with federal aid if it becomes available in the state. And we've got, um, you know, agreements with our neighboring communities to where if something happens in Washington or St. George, we send our people over there, and we know that if something happens in Santa Clara that their people will be available to help us. And it's important that we, that we keep those things active, that we talk about them, that people understand them, and then that we follow through with them when the time comes. But... It's an important part of being an elected official, in my opinion. As far as crime is concerned, is there a crime? Are there crime issues in Santa Clara, and if so, what are the nature of those, Rick? Well, we have we're not immune from it. Um, we're still one of the safest cities in the state. Mm-hmm. You just look at crime rates, but you know we had um, uh, just in the paper this week the the gentleman who exposed himself to kids, um, the ex-con, um, yeah. it happens out there. Uh, there are people within the community, and anytime you've got people within the community, you're going to have a few bad apples, and you're going to have to mitigate them. We're fortunate we've got a very 
you know, I think he's a great police chief, Bob Flowers, um, very experienced in what he does, understands the role of law enforcement and, and what they can do and what they can't do, and he trains his department so that they understand that, um, and they stand ready and prepared to deal with the, the issues as they come up. And fortunately, we don't have as many issues to deal with as you do in some of the, you know, the larger cities. Um, but we do have issues, and, and uh, like I say, nobody's immune from it down here. There's a, a potential where we could have a new mayor in St. George, or we could have a new mayor in uh, Ivins, we could have a new mayor, well, we will have a new mayor in Hurricane because the old mayor is not running. Uh, Washington could end up with, with a new mayor. Is it a challenge when you get new guys in who maybe have never done it before, and you, you know, you've been around the block a few times, Rick? I know you work with the other mayors a lot. Is there a big learning curve when one, when one or more of the other cities get a new mayor that you have to to kind of help break in? You know, we're, uh, we have a, a mayor's association um, down here where all of the mayors are members. Um, we don't have any real authority or we don't make resolutions or anything that way, but we meet, um, you know, as needed. During the, the height of the COVID pandemic, we met um, every week. And it's primarily a discussion group and a sounding board and an educational opportunity to take advantage of some of the more experienced mayors and to help out some of those that need help. And we talk about issues that are facing our communities. Um, You know, a lot of these issues you brought up this morning, they face all the communities. And so um, we talk about that. We have, uh, we've got issues that affect communities differently, like some of the issues that affect Hilldale. Uh, don't necessarily affect Santa Clara. Right. Um, some of the issues that St. George has with their industrial manufacturing areas, don't we don't have any of that, but we talk about it. Um, the new mayors, as they uh, as they come in, and we every every four years there is a, a change over to some degree within the mayors, um, and we continue to meet and we offer assistance. Um, to new mayors, if they if they've got questions, we become like a sounding board. Um, we make our staffs available to help with new staff training, especially with some of the smaller cities. If they ask us, um, I enjoy working with the mayors. I've been the chair of the mayors association for oh probably eight years. Um, I'm the senior mayor in the county, and that kind of passes that role kind of has landed on my shoulders, and I've I've enjoyed that role. I enjoy getting together with the mayors periodically. And, um, you know, this and during the election season, we do quite a bit of mayor's presentations. And, and we have a great group of, of individuals that are serving in the mayor's office throughout the county who care about their communities. And you can, you can sense that when you sit down and talk to them. And they want to do the best job that they can. And, um, you know, we're there to support each other. And... I've appreciated that relationship that we have, and I wish them all good luck. I mean, there's some good people running for mayor in some of these other cities. I wish them all the best of luck, and um, and we will we'll take this new crop of mayors that comes in, and we'll we'll do our best to support them as well. And so, awesome, um, it's been fun. Talking with Rick Rosenberg, Santa Clara City. Rick, I got to get a weather break in. Uh, we'll uh, continue on. You're good to stay a little bit longer. 
You bet. No problem. It's Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. The mayor's here, ready to answer your questions and address your concerns. Exclusively on the Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. I'm Andy. It's 936 on KDXU. Rick Rosenberg on the phone with me. Rick is a... uh, Tell me again, Rick Rosenberg and Associates is like soil study. I don't know the how do you engineering? What is it, Rick? Um, we're a full service civil engineering and land land surveying company. We we offer civil engineering, environmental engineering, geotechnical or soils engineering, structural engineering, and land surveying services to so, you know Washington County primarily. So your main customers are what contractors or or who would be your 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 it's, clientele? It's about a fifty fifty split between um, government, like local governments, the cities and the county, and private development. Um, okay. So we work a lot with each of the cities in in the county. We work closely with large developers. Uh, we also do a lot of work for contractors um, and new construction type engineering and and structural engineering and and those types of things. We get involved a little bit in in river management and in the um, flood control aspects. Um, that's been a big part of our our business over the last twenty years. Um, but uh, basically, general general civil engineering. If it involves involves working with the land or or new construction, then we probably help you out with that. When I say the words blue clay, what does that mean to you and your profession? Well, it's it's <laughs> everywhere. That's um, yeah. at varying depths throughout the county. Uh, no city, one city is immune from it. Um, you may be lucky enough to have enough separation above the clay that it doesn't impact you. It's an expansive soil that uh, when it gets, when it's dry, it's very strong and, and fairly stable. And when it gets wet, um, it absorbs the, the water molecules and it expands. And so, and it has uh, tremendous uh, potential to expand. It can lift a building right up out of the ground. And Wow. The problem with it is that it doesn't just impact it doesn't impact the building the same. It usually will grab one corner of it and lift it up, and you'll see a significant foundation cracking. And I mean, I've watched houses get uh, you know tore apart by the expansion on the clay. You know, and it's, I've seen the same thing happen when the clay uh, collapses, when the clay gets wet and loses its strength. We've seen them get tore apart that way too. So. It's just one of the, you know, the characteristics of that soil that is here naturally. And uh, if you're going to build around it or in it, then you need to be able to be aware of it first and mitigate the potential for the damage. Let's uh, talk a couple. And I want to get to phone lines, too, here in a second. A couple of people on hold. Thanks for waiting. But, uh, you know, Santa Clara has long been a conservative, traditional town with growth that could be changing i mean you have things like new stores i i was lucky enough to be there for the grand opening of the bucks ace hardware there in santa clara what a great crowd i think the whole town came out to check out the new bucks uh but uh does that mean things are going to change a little bit in santa clara or can you still keep the small town hometown feel you know we're, we're trying to preserve the the hometown feel um the addition of Bucks Ace Hardware is a you know a tremendous addition for the city to have the ability to to go to a store that has that 
that type of merchandise and resource without having to drive very far is going to be a huge advantage for residents. I've been in a couple of times already. Um, Buck is a, a hometown. Uh, Buckhurst is a you know a hometown boy, and it's yeah. been exciting to see him be able to come back and open a store in the hometown community. We've been trying to get him to do it for 20 plus years, and and so it's an exciting opportunity. Um, we're seeing uh, you know some real commercial growth up in the the Rachel Drive Pioneer Parkway intersection area around the Harmon store that came in a few years ago. Um, the Dollar tree is there we just opened um, the swig is open the car wash is open now some new restaurants are coming mobetas is getting ready to open up that's right you've got it's a cafe Rio to, too. Yeah. to see that and it's really exciting when um or when you start looking at the sales tax revenues and and the advantages that they provide in the city budget we're able to do a lot more things than we've ever been able to do before as far as expanding the trail system and improving parks putting some additional money into our road infrastructure, um, you know, helping with the police and fire. There's just a lot of benefits that come to a community when you can get a, a decent community uh, commercial base going. Let's uh, let's do some phone calls. I think Seth is on line two. Seth, are you there? I am. How am I coming in today? Oh, you sound great, man. You sound fantastic. What's What's on your mind today, Seth? Well, I got a solution for all the problems here with water. All we need is a bomb cyclone like <laughs> we had earlier this week that gave me an inch of water. So we just plan on bomb cyclones uh, every couple of weeks so we can keep our water supply up. Yeah. How does that sound? You know, we, we didn't get one at my house over in Middleton. Uh, did you get a lot of rain uh, out in Santa Clara, Rick? You know, we had a, a decent amount of rain. We didn't get the, the levels, uh, you know, they got up north and they got in California. Um, I can remember back in 2010, we had that atmospheric river happen here um, right before Christmas. And it resulted in some significant flooding in the Santa Clara. It filled all the reservoirs up um, just with a single event. Um, so, you know, I, I will... I'm not going to pray for a bomb cyclone because I know what the potential <laughs> is, but if we can get a baby one, you know, I'll take that. Um, it'd be nice to see the reservoirs full. Uh, and, um, you know, and one thing that I heard, I was watching the news in, in Northern California, I think it was Folsom Reservoir, it was right in the path of the bomb cyclone in the atmospheric river, and and it produced a tremendous amount of flooding, and and run off into the reservoir, and the reporter said it would take seven of those to bring the reservoir back to normal levels. That's how dry it is. And so wow. it may take a couple of these things to bring us back, but we'll take all the rain we can get. Well, let me let me make a comment. Uh, I'm with, uh, I've spent a lot of time certifying with CERT, and the atmospheric river, I think, and bomb cyclones are different critters. Um, and that. And I really don't have, I need a real good weatherman or the son of a weatherman to explain <laughs> these anomalies to us. But uh, that bomb cyclone lasted three hours at my house. Wow. And we did get a, an inch of, of rain and precipitation. And uh, I attended the, and by the way, I, I worked for uh, Mr. Mayor uh, doing the geotechnical blue clay special inspection work for I've had a chance to talk to him 
and I spent a, quite a bit of time underneath uh, the Santa Clara Steak Center or chapel up there with the blue clay and the nearly boiling water coming out in the parking lot. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's here. It'll keep, us, it'll keep us busy for a long time, Seth, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, it does. Now, let me just make one suggestion about this water issue. Uh, I went to the water uh, um, conference, talked to all the big shots. None of them were aware of something, something called primary water, which is being harvested nearly worldwide in desert areas similar to us. And the website is primaryweather.org. There are tens and maybe hundreds of pages of examples and people using this uh, primary water system that's down about 4,500 feet um, from sea level, which means six or 7,000 feet where we are in the high desert. But I would challenge everybody who's concerned about why not drill wells in Santa Clara and St. George and uh, everywhere to provide a constant stream of nearly pure water that at a place where it's being created. And I hope uh, these crazy conspiracy theories, uh, we can find use to finding and discovering sources of water. Uh, we're a water planet, and there shouldn't be any places where we can't access pure, clean water that doesn't really necessarily require tons and tons of cleaning and distillation and everything to make it usable. I certainly hope somebody will look up that site and take it seriously because other people in other countries are making vast uses of something 90% of the people have never heard of. Interesting. Any thoughts on that, Rick? No, I was just going to look it up and, <laughs> and do a little research on it. So thank you, Seth. Yeah, nice call. It's 946 on, on KDXU. Um, I got a text here. Let me see if I can sort through it. Uh, just, uh, yeah, so uh, for a long time, this I'm going to summarize the text because it's pretty long. For a long time, Santa Clara didn't have much in the way of commerce. Uh, and, and this person, a Santa Clara resident, said, do you think this is going to, uh, what's the word they used? Is this going to impact our quality of life in Santa Clara, having the new commerce in town that, that was never here before? Um, you know, I personally, I think that the, the, the type of commercial development that we're seeing out there is, is going to benefit the community. Um, we're seeing uh, the type of things that Santa Clara is developing are neighborhood service type things that, that provide, like the Harmon store, um, you know, food and those types of things. The New Bucks store provide hardware and, and those types of household goods. You know, Dollar Tree provides similar things. The ability to, uh, you know, get fuel to, for your vehicle, to get your car washed, to, to get a, you know, a sandwich or go out to eat with your family and not have to travel. Um, one of the things that I think is, that is far more um, concerning to me as far as impacting the quality of life in Santa Clara is, is transportation and traffic. Um, we have two uh, primary ways to, to get from Santa Clara to, 
to St. George and to I-15. Um, mm-hmm. We have Santa Clara Drive that goes through the heart of the downtown, um, something that we're we're trying very hard to protect the integrity of it and the small town feel, the trademark cottonwood trees, the really the, the legacy of Santa Clara is the downtown. And we have this very busy transportation corridor that goes through it that is, you know, we don't want that to be a five-lane highway. We want it to function as a two-lane road and with slow traffic. Um, but we're seeing increased numbers of traffic out there you know, every year, um, Pioneer Parkway in the, the goes through the Heights that connects Old 91 to Snow Canyon Parkway is the same way. It goes through the heart of our commercial area. Um, it's uh, you know two lane road with turning lanes. Um, it can be expanded to a four lane road um, and may have to be expanded over time. But it it goes through the lava. Um, there's kind of a uh, sensitive area that it goes through and then it ties to school zones once it gets into St. George and so that's problematic that way. Getting you know transportation corridors that move people east-west through the city limits is is probably a bigger threat to the quality of life out there than than the new commercial development. Um, we, we strongly support the western corridor, the, the continuation of the belt loop that goes around the entire metro area. Mm-hmm that runs from Old 91 down to um, either the Tonquin Data Center or eventually to Sun River and I-15. We'd, we'd like to see that, at least the first initial phases of that get built that can take some of the traffic off of Santa Clara Drive and Pioneer Parkway and, and route it through closer to I-15 and Central St. George where the people are going. Um, so that's an important thing. The, the commercial development that we're seeing, um, you know, is is hometown type commercial stuff, and uh, it's exciting for for me not to have to travel to St. George to get everything. When I need a gallon of milk, I can I can go to Harmon's. If I need some specific bolts, I can go to Hearst. If I uh, my wife goes to Dollar Tree a lot and gets the things that that she uses, you can bank out there, um, get fuel. That's uh, that's that's an improvement, I think, as far as the quality of life, and I don't see a lot of crime coming to that area um, because of those new commercial services. So, right. And like I say, we do get the revenues to let us expand parks and trails and the other things that the community really wants on uh, the recreation side. Let's go back to the phone line, line three. Hey, thanks for calling Yarn with Andy with Mayor Rosenberg. How are you? I, I'm doing good. Hey, so I live in Santa Clara. I use Pioneer Parkway very often and i see a lot of people walking and riding their bikes uh from red mountain drive to say the um the end of the the city limits on the road and i i don't think it's designed for walking running or biking on that road you have a very maintained trail is there any way to either get a sign that says no riding bike or walking or running on this road because i've almost hit people you know because there's cars going both ways you can't you know you can i basically had to stop a few times wow (laughs) yeah um you know putting up signs and i noticed you know the bikers um they uh 
they tend to follow their own drum um, <laughs> yes, they do. on where they ride. Uh, we do have, uh, we've made a couple of improvements out there that I think that has really helped the pedestrian and the bike safety downs, particularly at Red Mountain. Um, we widened the uh, the asphalt down there and created a turn lane uh, where yeah, Pioneer much, and Red Mountain appreciated. come together. And um, we do have a trail, and it would be nice if they would use it. If you want to get from 400 East in Ivans to... I mean, all the way to, you know, Snow Canyon High School and the, and the uh, swimming pool library area, there's a, a paved trail that takes that entire length now um, all the way through the city. But, you know, people like to, to especially the bikers, they like to get out there and, uh, you know, shoulder it in with the vehicles. And, uh, and there's not a lot that signage seems to be able to do to prevent that. Um, so we're, we have expanded some bike lanes in some of the area, and you may see a bike lane get incorporated onto, um, you know, Pioneer Parkway in the future. We're kind of looking at that now, saying, do we widen the traffic lanes? Do we incorporate bike lanes? Um, so we'll just keep trying to, to make those improvements as we can to, to try and make it as safe for everybody. All right. Thank you for the Appreciate call. It. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling. That That's a tough little stretch there as you get out among the lava rock and stuff because it's got to be pretty expensive to expand it and make it wider and the road at, at times two lanes. It, you know, I, I can see I, I can see what the caller's, caller's coming from, Rick, because it can be pretty frustrating to, you know, there's only so much room on that road uh, yeah. to get through. And I, can I say the trail is just parallel to it? I I wish we could just mandate everybody to, you know, if you're not in a car, use the trail. But, um, you know, some of these bikers are tougher than than anything, and so they're going to go where they want to go. And and I've had the same issue, and I have a lot of friends who are who are bikers. I've kidded around in some of our transportation meetings that we need to incorporate a, a spandex tax <laughs> to help fund additional bike lanes in the community and. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it's a definite need. Let's go to line four. Hey, thanks for calling on with Mayor Rosenberg. What's on your mind today? Hey, is that me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell me how that section of uh, Pioneer Parkway by Harmon's and that new hardware store that uh, got widened uh, ended up so rough. It just, uh, that's a, as rough as a dirt road I travel. Well, part of it is the is the soils that we're dealing with. Um, we, uh, if you don't get the, the subgrade underneath the pavement, um, you know, built property, and especially in some of the blue, that area has also got the, the blue clay soils underneath it, and so you'll see some deep movement in that in that soil as it gets wet and dries out. That'll, that'll transfer into the, probably the larger, um, more of the, the old highway dips that you used to see quite a bit issues that happen. Um, our street department does, I think they do a pretty good job of trying to keep the surface um, put together so we don't have a lot of potholes and, and the localized issues with the streets, but some of that deep foundation failure underneath the streets is problematic. Um, there's a, a shallow groundwater aquifer that crosses um, Pioneer right there and uh, goes down through the heights um, and that tends to provide the, the water necessary to make the clay expand and and that's a lot harder issue on a roadway 
uh, when you see that happen because it's very hard to correct. You have to do, you know, five or six foot over excavation, and that's it's just hard and expensive to do. But we'll, I'll uh, I'll pass it right, on to our streets department, and if we've got some pothole or some local issues, we'll definitely get somebody on it. It just seems kind of funny because the rest of the road on both sides of it is perfectly good, and that that section there is just a, like a roller coaster. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Uh, Mayor, we've run short on time. Any last thoughts? I know Halloween coming up this weekend. Anything Santa Clara City is doing? I know you've got the glockenspiel all dressed up, right? Yeah. The glockenspiel characters have got their Halloween costumes on, and so I'd <laughs> encourage everybody to come out and see the glockenspiel. It goes from 8 in the morning till 8 at night, and the music has changed, too. So you're seeing the you know, Halloween-themed music being played on the glockenspiel, Ghostbusters and Thriller and a lot of those spooky songs. I get calls from a few of the residents saying the songs are a little too spooky this time of year. But, <laughs> but come on out and see the Glockenspiel kids. And uh, we've got a you know movie in the park going on this weekend as well. And um, got some exciting things coming up for first part of December around Christmas. And so uh, uh, come out and see Santa Clara and enjoy yourselves. Very good. Thank you, Rick. Great to talk to you. You betcha, sir. Thank you, Andy. 9.57 on KDXU. Real quickly, thank you so much to Joe Shoney, show sponsor since its inception. A long time now. He's been in southern Utah for two and a half decades. It's Joe Shoney, 435-590-6300, NMLS, 121041.